We're back again. It's Chase and Josh with Factor Fantasy. That's Jason. and I'm Josh, and we are here to give you Episode 5 in the Obi-Wan Kenobi series here today. Second to last episode. We're winding down here. It's uh, got some really great moments. Some big things happen, and I'm really excited to jump in. But before we do, I'm going to turn the floor over to Chase to say a few words, and then we'll get started. Winding down in the series, but winding up in the action, man. <laughs> I think uh, these next two episodes, this is this is the tip of the mountain for for Star Wars, ex- for this limited series, that is. But we got a lot to get into today, and uh, I'll let you uh, go ahead and say a couple words, and I'll kick us off, man. I think we're switching this up a little bit today, right? Yeah, you're right. So I know last week we had Chase guide us through and we were going to do like a back and forth where I would do five, he would do six, but we decided to make a little substitution last minute and Chase is actually going to go ahead and guide us through this episode five here and I'll be closing us out next week with episode six, the finale. So that's what we're going to be diving into today. Chase is going to guide us and let's go ahead and get our cups in the air, do a little mouse in the chalice and after our cheers, just go ahead and dive in and, and give him what you got, brother. Let's do it. Malice in the chalice, baby. Let's do it. Cheers, my man. Cheers. So, a lot of good stuff today. So, we start out kind of like a full circle moment right from the get-go, man. So, we start out with a flashback with Anakin and Obi-Wan that are training on Coruscant. Is it not Coruscant? (laughs) How do you say that? Coruscant. Yeah, it's like Coruscant. It's like a hard, it is a hard planet name. And I know you're not the greatest with names as it is, but it's like Coruscant. Yeah. I knew it wasn't croutons and I knew it wasn't croissant because those are both foods, but (laughs) (laughs) I'll take it, whatever. Coruscant, that's better. Yeah, uh, so we have this flashback, which is really taking place in the time of, I want to say like the Clone Wars. Is that really when this flashback is occurring? Yeah, it was definitely in between, I would say, Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, somewhere in between those two uh, timelines, because obviously Obi-Wan's got that, that hair that he had from back then but uh anakin is also a little bit older than he was in attack of the clones as well so i believe it's in the time frame between attack of the clones and revenge of the sith yeah and he had his short haircut whereas in revenge of the sith you know he let it grow let it flow baby he was looking like me when we covered harry potter (laughs) (laughs) at the very end there let it grow let it flow (laughs) Let it grow, let it flow, baby. But yeah, no, he was looking pretty clean cut. Good stuff. And uh, we're seeing Anakin train with Obi-Wan, and then it cuts back into Vader's face. So you can see Vader at this moment in present time is reminiscing over this. Vader is informed at this point that Reva is there. And Vader says, uh, as Reva comes in, I'm not interested in civilities. Where is he? And Reva says, the tracker worked. He's arriving on Jabim as we speak. And Vader says, you have done well. Kneel, Grand Inquisitor. And Reva is becoming the Grand Inquisitor. And you see his official, like, pins her as officially marking her as the Grand Inquisitor at this point. You know what it kind of looked like? Said, it kind of looked like the Hand of the King badge. You know? I was thinking <laughs> the same thing, Something along man. those lines. So, yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. It was really cool. Man, we're still making, in the Star Wars universe, all these Game of Thrones references. We got Tala and <laughs> good stuff. But uh, he says, set a course, Captain. We leave for Jabim at once. 
And then we cut back to Obi-Wan, our boy, man. Obi-Wan and the rest of the group arrive on Jabim with Leia, Tala, uh, the whole group there. And Haja is there. Remember Haja we talked about? Um, so Haja, he's wanted by the Empire now, but now he's wanting to help out. Uh, Obi-Wan tells Roken that he needs to get the transport back to Alderaan. But Roken tells him, Time is limited in that we'll need help uh, getting the, we'll help getting that transport back as soon as possible once they get the people off the planet. So now we're cutting back to Vader a little bit. So Vader tells Reva in the Vader voice, lock down the facility as, <laughs> as they're approaching Jabim. Badass. And uh, Reva says, if we seal them in now, they can hold out for days. If we cannot break them, it's not them we need to break. <laughs> James Earl Jones, baby. I know he's your boy over there. A Lion King fan. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Leia, then we're kind of over at her at this point, And Leia's droid Lola closes the roof up top. And remember, that was kind of a full circle moment to what we talked about a few weeks ago. And, you know, if you look closely, she kind of is flashing red, but she closes the rooftop there. And then Roken says, well, the like, Imperial ship has arrived. It's not even just closing the hangar rooftop, because that was kind of the issue that the we're going to run into here. What she does <laughs> is, like, she damages the control wires. Lola, the droid. I don't know why I referred to, like, Lola as a her. I guess the name kind of tipped it. But the droid Lola, <laughs> L-O-L-A, uh, she, again... The droid destroyed the control wires, uh, and that's what made like the hangar roof close, and that kind of sealed them in. Now they're kind of screwed because you got the Empire coming for them, and they've got no way of escaping. So that, that does definitely want to make sure that people know that it wasn't just closing. It damaged the whole control wires, and they kept trying to work on it, and we're going to see what kind of happens from there. Perfect. Uh, so Obi-Wan then tells the group that it's Vader. He says... He will, he will attack next. He has no patience for Siege. And we have another flashback. Back to where we're at on Coruscant. And Anakin's trading with Obi-Wan. And Obi-Wan says, as Anakin's just slicing down at him, man. He re Anakin reminded me of when I was like a child in martial arts. Like, my dad used to tell me this too. You know back when you are a kid and you think you have the guts to take on your dad when really you know your dad can beat your ass any day but in your mind you think i can beat my dad my dad used to like hold me back with one arm and just be like you know your anger <laughs> you got some problems here you need to calm it down it's kind of the same way here obi-wan says you grow too aggressive anakin be mindful a jedi's goal is to defend life not take it Anakin said, Mercy doesn't defeat an enemy master, which is why you're gonna lose. <laughs> like, it reminded me of when I was a kid. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then back to Vader. He tells Reva to launch the attack. Cutting back to Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan tries to calm everyone down on Jabim and tells them that they cannot fight the Empire, but they don't need to fight them. They just need to buy enough time to get everyone out. I just wanted okay. to say one thing real quick, too. And this is just like the previous point you made, how it's shifting back between Obi-Wan and Vader. Tell me if you think that the writing did this on purpose, because I do, and I think it's an, an, an amazing piece of writing and how they put it into the scenes here. But it almost seems like Darth Vader and Obi-Wan Kenobi are having the same flashbacks at the same time. And like, you know, it's like Obi Vader's thinking back to that training session, Obi-Wan's thinking back to that training session, and like the timelines coincide with their thoughts 
but like they're both thinking the same thing at the same time. Is that what it seemed like to you? I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, it kind of did seem like that. Um, it kind of, to me, what it made me think of is they're both thinking back to that same scene, but they're both more thinking about what maybe they could have fixed for the situation. Like almost kind of blaming themselves in a way. I don't even think that. What I really think is they're thinking, because uh, it's almost like history repeats itself. And it's like Obi-Wan is pretty confident that Anakin's going to make the same mistakes that he did back then. And, you know, we're going to see if Obi-Wan's right or not. But that's what it really seems like that to me. It's like they, they're both remembering the same time period, the same training session. And I, I believe each of them think that they are going to outdo the other one. And it's like, I won't call it a chess match, but it's somewhat similar to something of that, that nature. But that's that's what I think. I think that Obi Wan is, is that's what he says. He's like, how do you know he doesn't have the patience for a siege? And then he like thinks back to the train. He's like, I know because I fucking trained him. <laughs> like that's how I know he doesn't have patience for a siege. You know, like, like they back to that training session, and I think he really believes that history is going to repeat itself, and Anakin's going to make the same mistakes or Darth Vader now, whatever you want to call him. Speaking of that note, real quick, uh, do you think that Obi Wan in this situation is really the only one that has? the intellectual ability to try to outsmart vader based on because he's using past experiences oh yeah absolutely i don't think vader's smart at all like and like that's gonna go (laughs) i just think vader is powerful as fuck i don't think he's very intelligent and we're gonna go into that probably a lot more next week but there's been multiple times where his advisors have told him a course of action they should have taken and he does not take it and we see how it ends up at the end of the series for vader so uh, yeah, we'll we'll definitely dump into that, but I I think that we want absolutely is able to outsmart him. Do I, do I think he's the only one? I just think he understands Vader the best out of everybody because he's the one that trained him. But I'm sure there's other you know beings in the galaxy that you know probably are a little bit more intelligent than Anakin. It's just Obi Wan has a good mixture of ability, skill wise, and the brains to to contend with Darth Vader and, and Anakin said it himself back in the prequels before he went to the dark side he said Obi-Wan's as wise as Master Yoda and as powerful as Master Windu so like he holds high regard for Obi-Wan's abilities always has and, you know we, we see that rear its head and you know I don't want to give too much away but yeah that's what that's my thoughts on it I I agree I, I think you're right um now I will disagree with you in a sense. I'm not. I don't think that Vader, who used to be Anakin, I don't think he's dumb. <laughs> Otherwise, he wouldn't have become a Jedi. Let's call it for what it is. Now he might get outsmarted, and he. I would. Bro, call he that. he he became a Jedi because Qui Gon like noticed how much Metachlorian count was in his like blood. <laughs> he had he had no idea. Like he got he was like they had someone to hold his hand the entire way through the. The Jedi trial, I don't want to say the trials because he never became a Jedi master. You know, he's able to sit the council, but not granted the rank of master, right? So, I don't know, man. Just, I just think he's dumb as fuck. It took him over 10 years, and he, it took a low level, you know, we'll find out who Reva was next week and all that good stuff. I guess, actually, no, we'll find out who Reva was today. Uh, but my point being is, it took her, I don't know, way less time to find Obi Wan Kenobi than Vader with all the tools at his disposal. Like, he was able to hide on. A planet that Vader's very familiar with for ten fucking years. <laughs> like it's just it's very very silly. But anyways, that's I don't know. I just don't think Vader's that smart. I, I just think he's very powerful. That's just that's what I believe, man. That's 
Yeah, actually, I drive a really good point there because I was trying to rebuttal that by sit here and say, well, you know, he got him and Padme out of that whole gladiator arena situation in Attack of the Clones, but then it just came to me like, well, you know, remember when Anakin said she seems to be on top of things, so you could argue, well, that was all Padme <laughs> that did that. So I I can see your point. Um, Look, I'm not, I'm not saying he's takes... dumb as a box of rocks. I'm not saying he's the least intelligent life form in the Star Wars universe. I just I just think, uh, relatively speaking, he's definitely below average on the IQ scale. <laughs> <laughs> All right, who would you take, Ronald Weasley or Anakin Skywalker? Oh my my goodness, yeah, that's that's an easy one. I'll definitely take Darth Vader over fucking Ronald Weasley. <laughs> well, like, I just don't know why point. we're, we're bringing Ronald think. Weasley into this. I mean, well, I was just saying, you said no intellectual ability. I didn't so say he had no. I didn't say he was uh, the least into. Like, I didn't say he was like the least intelligent creature in the universe. I just said I just think he's below average on the intelligence <laughs> so scale. Clear Clearly, we agree Ronald Weasley, bro. <laughs> Ronald Weasley had seven years to do, like, three good things. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he was able to do the whole wizard's chest. That was cool. He was able to figure out a way to kill the Horcrux in Hogwarts, in the Battle of Hogwarts there. And he did something else that I can barely remember. Like, you know what I mean? He didn't have a whole lot of shining moments over seven years. You know, Anakin, Anakin did some cool shit. And Anakin... Uh, Anakin really trusted him. The one, the one thing I will say about Anakin Skywalker is he had a high level of confidence. And I'll tell you what, fortune favors the bold, and he was able to survive and overcome a lot of situations just because he believed in himself. But in terms of how smart he was, he's a dumbass. Remember when he tried to attack Count Dooku and <laughs> Count Dooku took his hand clean the fuck off? Yeah, yeah. I remember that shit. <laughs> I'm going after him now. Once again, didn't listen to anybody. That's what Obi-Wan I'm saying. Said, we'll Dude, don't take listen. Him on together. Motherfucker doesn't think he's all about that action, boss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, absolutely. Okay, we'll jump back into it. I, I agree with you on that. That's it's very sad, but I agree because Darth Vader's the shit. But yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Okay, so back to Obi Wan. So uh, Roken tells Obi Wan that he needs three to four hours to override the doors. Obi Wan says, "You have one, and block every other remote access. Everyone else, we're gonna lock down every other entrance in this facility. If we defend our position together, then by the time they get inside, we'll be gone." So the Empire starts to arrive and stands outside the doors and Reva approaches and commands the stormtroopers to start firing at the outside doors. So remember they have those big ass cannons? It was badass, man. It was pretty cool. Uh, and Roken is having an issue with overriding the doors and Haja suggests going into the vents, seeing what the issue is. And Roken, of course, goes... I'm not climbing around the vents. And Leia goes, you know, well, I'll fix it myself. Get me a ladder. And, of course, Roken kind of says, all right, princess, whatever you think. And Obi-Wan, my boy, man, sticks up for Leia and says, do what she asks. You trust me. I trust her. Get her the ladder. (laughs) Like, that was badass, man. That was awesome. So... Of course, Roken, you know, he's not going to smart off to Obi-Wan Kenobi. (laughs) So he gets her the ladder. Um, And then we have this moment where uh, Bale Prestor, Leia's adopted father, sends Obi-Wan this message that he looks at on this transmitter that he's had. And he says that he hasn't seen Obi-Wan in a long time. He's trying to get an update. And that if he doesn't hear from him, he's going to head to Tatooine. Because if there's a risk that Vader's found him, because he knows Owen will need help with the boy, which is Luke Skywalker, as we know. 
And then Tala so I wanna, was talking. So I want to yeah. read this quote, and I want to read it in its entirety because I'm going to see at the end of this, when we talk about this, if you really picked up on the huge fucking plot hole that this really brings into this entire series. But anyways, the whole quote here from Bail Organa says, I know we said no communication, but your silence worries me. If he's found you, if he's learned of the children, if I don't hear from you soon, I'll head to Tatooine. Owen will need help with the boy. I pray you're safe, Obi-Wan. Both of you. So we'll, we'll talk about this fucking pothole at the end of this episode, but that is a huge problem, and we'll go into that a little bit. But go ahead and continue on. So anyways, <laughs> yeah, that does definitely come around <laughs> towards the end here. Um, so at this point, uh, Tala is talking to Obi-Wan, and she says, you know, she tells him kind of this little backstory. I thought this was a badass monologue, by the way. Maybe it was just me. These Game of Thrones people, man, they crush this dialogue. <laughs> that's just the way they do kind of reverse effect remember when cersei gave her a monologue like this <laughs> anyways um so tala says you know i was following orders on Gorel. the empire said it was a roundup people not paying their way taxes for the cause they lied there were four families all four sensitive and we gathered them up i didn't know who they were i didn't know what the inquisitors would do Fourteen people died, and six of them were children, and I can do anything to help them. So now, I do this. And she shows Obi-Wan the holster and the gun, and she says, One for everyone I get through. You're right, Ben. Some things you can't forget, but you can fight to make them better. And I thought that was awesome. Quick question for you on that, because when she opened up that holster... You saw like tick marks that she scratched into the leather. Now, yeah. for people who own uh, like weapons, like guns and things of that nature, like rifles, handguns, whatever, there was an old thing that people used to do, especially in wartime, that anytime they eliminated the opposition, they would make a scratch on their weapon to signify how many, how many people they killed with that weapon. Now, my question is, was this, was this holster, because she just said everyone I get through. Like you said, you just said the direct quote perfectly. She said, now I, I, now I do this for everyone I get through. Now, is that meaning everyone she gets through in terms of taking out someone from the Empire? Or does that mean every Jedi she gets through to safety? Which one did you kind of think that she meant there with all those tick marks? Great question. I think the term you're referring to is, in the words of Wedding Crashers, you're right, Jeremy. I'm just another notch on your belt. <laughs> but the term is actually notch on your belt. Uh, actually, funny story. In high school, when I would uh, uh, tackle somebody, that's what the coach always said. Just another notch on your belt. Yeah. So, But uh, to answer your question, that that's a good one. I took it straightforward. I thought it was like everyone she killed, she like made a notch, almost like you know, Holes movie with kissing Kate Barlow. Everyone she's killed, she kisses. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but that's actually a really good point. Maybe it was like everyone she saved, like adding to the notches. I think that would make it cooler. I didn't think about that, but I think that would make it more interesting. That would actually make that monologue actually a little bit more impactful, in my opinion. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it was every Jedi she got to safety or force-sensitive individual that she got to safety. And the reason why I think that is 
it would be very hard for me to believe that Tala could kill that many <laughs> people from the Empire without her cover being blown. You know, I think that'd be very mm-hmm. difficult. You know, she was like undercover as a captain and did the the Empire's dirty work for them for a, a good amount of time. You're, then you saw how many scratches she had on that holster. Like, shit, you're going to kill yeah. that many people and still keep your cover intact? I don't know. So I think more realistically and logically, it would probably signify the amount of people she saved. And I do think that does make it more impactful. I, I agree with you 100% there. That's my thoughts on it. Yeah, I think that's good. You picked up on something I didn't. That's that's not the abnormal. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, that's really good, though. I like it. I like it. I'll have to... Uh, Rewatch that quote again because that really does make it uh, a lot more powerful there. Uh, so Roken at this point, he tells Obi-Wan and Tala that they're in trouble and the Empire's breaking through. Obi-Wan responds to Tala and says, tell the Inquisitor, who we know is Reva, he wants to talk and he will buy them as much time as he can. So Obi-Wan meets Reva, each on opposite sides of the doors because remember, the stormtroopers are trying to break inside the doors. So Obi-Wan, of course, being smart, he's not just going to open the doors. So he doesn't walk right through and take all those people. But he meets them on opposite sides. Interesting part here. Was he, I'm assuming, he was using the force to communicate. Because he puts his hand on the door. Unless they could, you think they could hear each other through that iron big-ass door? I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I... I just wonder if he was using... I think he may have been using the Force, but not in the way to communicate. I think it's more so to feel where she was, just in case like it got to some level of like, battle or something, that he had an idea of where in the door she, she was to be prepared for anything. Because I do think that they could have probably spoken through the door. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they did use the Force to amplify their voices to, to speak. But for me... Because like she kind of did the same thing as well. She kind of on her end put her hand against the the door. But for me, I I really wonder if he was trying to sense where her energy was in location, just in case they were able to break that door down, and he's got to figure out in a split second where the attack would come from. That's that I think that's what I would think, but I I could be completely wrong. No, great great idea, great thought there. Uh, so Reva says, if this is you stalling this time, it won't work. Lord, Va- Lord Vader will have you at any cost. And Obi-Wan says, you mean Anakin? You you knew who Vader was back on Dayu. How did you know that? Vader would have kept that hidden, and you're too young to have known him. Unless, unless you were there. And Reva says, it doesn't matter where I was. Obi-Wan the night of the order 66 you were a youngling that's how you knew you saw him stop anakin killed the others that's enough he killed the other younglings enough enough and then reva has this flashback of anakin killing the younglings that we saw in revenge of the sith and reva says we thought he was there to help us i tried to help them but i couldn't i was too weak when he left i played dead hid with the bodies felt them go cold they were the only family i knew and he slaughtered all of them movie one you're not serving him are you you're hunting him let me help you and reva says why would i ever trust you because we want the same thing do we obi-wan do you really want anakin dead 
Where were you while he was killing my friends? He was your Padawan. Why didn't you stop him? Why didn't you save us? I don't need your help. I don't need anyone. You won't stop him alone. You have no idea what I've done alone. And Riva cuts through the door with her lightsaber and uses the force to open the door. Uh, Obi-Wan forces her back with the force just to buy some time. And Obi-Wan has to command the people to fall back to their second position as Riva commands the Empire to push forward. So what we've realized here this entire time, we thought Riva was trying to find, in my opinion, find Obi-Wan to like hunt him down and kill him. And in a strange way, it almost makes it seem like she was trying to find Obi-Wan to like maybe help out when she was actually been hunting Vader the whole time. What's your thought on that? So I don't think she was searching for Obi-Wan to help out because you just said right there, then they had the dialogue back and forth between each other. And he tells her that they want the same thing. And she's like, well, do we? Because do you really want Anakin dead? Where were you? Like, it almost seems like he, she blames Obi-Wan for what happened to her and her youngling friends at the time. So I don't know if she was really searching for Obi-Wan to help out. Um, what I think really happened here is she was attempting to gain favor to get Vader close to her. And was going to maybe strike at a time where Vader thought she was his closest ally. That's what I really think. I really think that... By bringing in Kenobi, that would have made Reva like the right-hand person of Darth Vader at the time. So I think that's what she was trying to do. She was trying to find this Jedi who was old and probably washed up as it was in her mind, right? And bring him to Vader, and then Vader would be like like overjoyed, and that would be his right-hand commander now. It's going to be Darth Vader and Reva together, because she was able to pull off this this accomplishment that no one's been able to do no one's been able to find Obi-Wan for 10 years. And so now that then Vader would trust her at a level he doesn't trust other people. And I think at that point she would attempt to strike once he she earned Vader's trust. That's what I think there. But I do love what this series did overall. Because do you remember the very, very first scene after we got the recap of everything that happened in the prequels that led up to where we're at in the timeline was Anakin coming, like all like the Night of Order 66. And we saw... That uh, Minas Velti, that Jedi Master training the younglings, doing just going through regular old uh, choreographed stuff for the Jedi, and that's when the stormtroopers came in and they started shooting people, like trying to take her down, and she was able to like, fight through a whole bunch of them. I'm talking about the the Jedi Master Minas Velti. She was able to fight through a bunch of the stormtroopers finally before they just overtake her by sheer numbers. And you know we saw that um, they. The, where the stormtroopers came in and the other Jedi, because the screen kind of panned out from a very like far away vision, and we we saw Jedi falling underneath the weight of all the stormtroopers entering, and that was the very very first scene of where this series started before the Obi Wan Kenobi title sequence hit, and it says ten years later. So I thought it was very very uh, I don't know how cunning, like very very smart to pull this full circle from that very very first scene. Of all these younglings trying to escape at the night of Order 66, and Riva ended up being one of those younglings that that ended up. She was the only one that was able to escape, and that brings her character arc and story full circle to where she's not just a bad guy. She's got motive behind it. She's just done a lot of bad things, you know, to accomplish her task of getting Vader close to her. So, I just thought it was very smart writing, very very cool, you know. 
it, obviously we all kind of knew there was more to Reva's story just because we didn't get a whole lot. And there's only six episodes in the series as it is, so you got to kind of fit things in pretty quickly. But I do love the writing here. I think they did a great job of you know kind of making you look one way, and you know, had the you know like the what do you call it the smoking gun in the other hand, right? So thought that was pretty cool overall. I like it, yeah, and it brings everything full circle too because. Uh, remember when we first started this series you kind of had that you know flashback or kind of flashback really to revenge of the sith when anakin was walking through and you had all the uh clones that were shooting down the jedi at the very beginning so no that's great stuff um so at this point so the empire is firing at the crowd and uh, uh, Obi Wan, not Anakin. <laughs> we know Anakin wouldn't block shit. <laughs> He's keep keep firing, <laughs> keep firing at him. Obi Wan's blocking the lasers with his lightsaber, and you even had uh, kind of the civilians. I noticed were using almost like trash cans and stuff as shields and stuff. That was pretty cool. Uh, but Leia continues to look for the red breaker to override the doors. And then, this is cool, you had that mover droid. I called it the cargo droid, but it was like a mover. The one that was with Tala in a couple episodes ago. He is kicking ass. He is like lifting stormtroopers up and throwing them down. He was shooting them with the guns. It was badass. Uh, but at this point, Tala is getting shot down by stormtroopers, and she gets shot. And uh, Reva continues to command to wipe them out as finally uh, the mover droid is shot down and is like lays his head, uh, you know, as he's, I guess you can, you can't really say a droid is dying, but his power supply is cut off. <laughs> so he like, he like gets, you know, like shuts down on top of Tala and Obi-Wan is being driven back and he can't move any farther and he's just cutting down stormtroopers trying to make his way to Tala and he's screaming at her and Obi-Wan just yells out, no. And Tala activates the control on the door that's behind Obi-Wan. So he goes through it, and she takes out a grenade bomb and throws it down as the door closes on Obi-Wan so he's safe and blows herself up in the mover droid but takes out all the stormtroopers in there. That was awesome. Like, talk about a badass sacrifice. 100%. And I'm going to even go through my, like, with a little sequence that I wrote down for that, too, just because it was such a powerful moment for me as well. And, and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to take it a step further and tell you what it reminded me of and tell me if you also drew the same comparison. But, you know, for the, the survivors are retreating as the troopers are making their way through. The shots keep firing from the survivors and the troopers back and forth. People from each side are falling. And eventually, Tala gets hit just as Obi Wan gets the rest of the survivors back to the second position. He goes back for her and takes out a few troopers who made their way past Tala, and her loader droid, Ned B, is doing his best to fend off the troopers, but he hits a few times, and instead of continuing to fight, Ned B uses the rest of his strength to cover Tala and protect her from more shots. At that point, Ned B takes too many shots, and I also said, quote-unquote, Ned B is finally dead <laughs> from all the shots he took, and then Tala makes a choice. She looks at her wound and sees that she's bleeding badly, and she's probably not going to make it. And one of the troopers... They backed up Obi-Wan past the doorframe, and Obi-Wan's finally able to take him out. He goes to run back to Tala, but she shows him what looks like a fancy grenade, signifying that she's going to sacrifice herself to give the survivors time. She tells him to go. He yells out no, and she, he tries to run to her aid, but she shoots the door mechanism with her blaster, locking Obi-Wan out, 
and then detonates the grenade, blows herself up, and takes a bunch badass. of fucking troopers with her. But what this really, really reminded me of is I really, I'm curious if Obi-Wan got PTSD or deja vu from this moment. If you remember back from the first episode of the prequels, like the uh, episode one, episode Phantom one. Menace, when Qui-Gon and Darth Maul were fighting and Obi-Wan was helplessly locked out by the like the laser doors where he couldn't pass through and he had to Darth sit there Maul. and watch Obi or watch Qui-Gon fight Darth Maul one-on-one. I wonder if he had like the same deja vu thing because like she shot that door and locked him out and he had to watch her die just like he had to fucking watch Qui-Gon get stabbed. So I wondered if he had a little bit of a little re- re- reminiscing there. What did you think about that? Yeah, I could absolutely see it. Speaking of that moment, man, remember... It was like, uh, remember for a moment there in episode one, remember Qui-Gon was caught between the two lasers and Darth Maul was on the other side and Obi-Wan was on the first laser on the other side. And he was just sitting there like meditating, trying to figure out what he was going to do. And Obi-Wan, man, just like, fuck, dude. Like, I'm fucked either way. (laughs) Like, I'm going to have to keep waiting to get through these things. But yeah, man, Obi-Wan, man, he's... Makes entire sense why he would have PTSD after everything he's been through. He's... Had some bad luck, man. <laughs> Had some bad luck. Yes, but great point. But um, so at this point, uh, so at this moment when after Tala, you know, she's sacrificed herself. Vader tells his officer to tell Reva to stand down. Kenobi is ours. Badass. And then we get this flashback again. Talk about another full circle again. We keep going in and out to this flashback. The flashback occurs. Anakin and Vader are training. The Anakin, that becomes Vader, is training with Obi-Wan. So Anakin is training with Obi-Wan. And Anakin, you know, he's he's really trying to get this victory here. He is hounding on Obi-Wan and knocks Obi-Wan's lightsaber away and says, admit you're beaten. And Obi-Wan says, uh, and then that's when it cuts back to where we're in present day. Uh, and then Obi-Wan, uh, back in present day, he goes, tells everyone in the group on Jimbeam, it's over. I'm going back. Rogan says, you can't quit. I fought for too long. You can't just throw that away. It won't make a difference. They want all of us. And Obi-Wan says, Vader wants me. Rogan says, if you surrender, she, uh, she died for nothing. He'll keep coming. And Obi-Wan says, that's why I have to stop him. Haja, a cool moment here says you're going to fight him and obi-wan says he expects me to surrender he knows i'll do everything i can to protect these people haja says you'll be on your own obi-wan says no haja look out for her referring to leia will you he hands haja his lightsaber his laser gun and the transmitter device big moment here that uh, leia's adopted father bail sent that transmission on Rokin says you're going to tell me how you're going to fight without a weapon? Obi-Wan says, there's other ways to fight. Really cool moment there. Um, but Leia continues to look for the breaker as Obi-Wan goes back through the doors and is taken by stormtroopers, like taken prisoner. Reva says, inform Lord Vader that Kenobi is ours. He's on his way. You're going to die soon. Looking at Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan says, you're not bringing him to me. I'm bringing him to you. This isn't over yet. There are families back there, children. Are you going to let him do it again? What he did to you? 
we could end this together. Reba says, what makes you think he won't see it coming? Obi-Wan says, because all he will see is me. And great point, because just like you were saying before, you know, another thing too here is Anakin, Vader now, he's always kind of only looked at his own, he never looks at the whole picture. He only looks at what he's trying to do. Just like a minute ago in that flashback, he was saying, admit you're defeated. Like he didn't even look at the whole situation about what, almost like shocked, <laughs> like anything else could go wrong. Um, so at this point, the stormtroopers take Obi-Wan back through the metal doors and you have uh, this flashback that occurs again with Obi-Wan training with Anakin. And Anakin is using all his power, drives Obi-Wan back, knocks him away, and and knocks his uh, saber there, knocks his saber away. And Anakin says, there, your weapon's gone. It's over. It's over. Obi-Wan says, your need for victory, Anakin, it blinds you. And then we cut back to Jabim, invaders on Jabim. Vader demands to know where Obi-Wan is and says he will bring him in himself. And Vader walks through the door. So now we already kind of see something's going on here. Like, it's definitely Vader-like, but there's definitely something going on. So Leia is fixing the breaker still, but notices Lola has been tampered with and she has the light on. Leia removes a restraining bolt that's overriding her and it fixes the droid. And then she gets the doors fixed. Uh, Vader continues to search for Obi-Wan, and the roof access opens from where Leia's fixed the doors. Obi-Wan tells Leia and Tala that Tala didn't make it and takes Leia to the transport. Vader walks through the doors. Here we go. Let's get into some action, baby. It's happening. The ship, transport ship, takes off. Vader walks through the doors, but with the force, stops the ship, straining just a little bit with his force, drags it down, slams the ship on the ground. It crashes. He rips the doors off and the sidewalls, but no one's in it. On the other side of the ship, the real transport ship with the people, Obi-Wan, Leia, everyone, takes off. And he's just stood there looking, and there's not really much he can do here because he just used all his force bringing that entire fucking ship down that crashed. And he's just stuck sitting there like, fuck. Just like we were saying, you know, like if he had looked at the whole picture, you would have thought maybe he would have checked on the other side to see if another ship was fucking there. But no, comes in with full force, guns blazing, as we've seen him do multiple times. So uh, then at this point, uh, we see there's a flashback again that occurs back to where we were on Coruscant. Again, the same scene in the training battle. Obi-Wan pulls a reversal on Anakin. As remember, Anakin thought he won that fight. Anakin pushes him using the Force. Uh, and, well, so Obi-Wan pushes him, uses the Force, and takes Anakin's lightsaber from him. And Obi-Wan says, you're a great warrior, Anakin, but your need to prove yourself is your undoing. Until you overcome it, a Padawan you'll still be. And he sheaths Anakin's lightsaber, so turns it off and hands it back to Anakin. And that's like a big moment because Anakin, like all he thought was he thought this was over. Like he wasn't even thinking about anything else. Um, you know, so it's kind of like, 
you know, you have a team on their back, but you still kind of reminds me of my poor Falcons. You know, we thought we won that Super Bowl, and look what t- terrific Tom did to us. So there you go. But uh, Vader, still reflecting on that moment, is like standing there, and then all of a sudden, you see, all of a sudden, here you go, take a shot. <laughs> you see this red lightsaber come down, but it stopped midair. Vader has stopped Reva's lightsaber midair with the force with his back turned. How badass is that? This is no fucking contest. That's what's about to happen. And you know I'm a battle breakdown guy, and this is my favorite scene in this entire series. So I'm about to break it down. Let's make that shit happen. Before you break it down, did you write down the quote that he said to her? Because I thought it was pretty important. Like right before they start their little battle. Uh, that he said, Obi-Wan was wise to use you against me. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Obi-Wan was wise to use you against me. And he turns around and he's still using the force. And Reva is screaming, trying to break through the force with her lightsaber. This is no contest. Reva attacks Vader, slices down on Vader four times and he just dodges it with ease four times dodges it and then reva tries to cut him across the torso and he stops it again with the force no lightsaber needed vader forces reva back with the force she attempts to stab him again and then vader uses the force to push her lightsaber up almost like controlling it himself Pushes her back again. No need to even draw out his lightsaber. Reva dashes at Vader. Simply dodges it. Reva strikes Vader again. Stops it with the force again. Reva attempts to stab Vader with the other end of her lightsaber opening. Turning into this Darth Maul double lightsaber thing that we've seen her use before. Vader moves aside with ease again. Reva then attempts to strike Vader six times as she's doing that parkour shit she was doing earlier in the episodes. One at a time on each side, the double blade. And then Vader force pushes her back to give some distance. Reva then spins her saber wheel just like the Grand Inquisitor was using on civilians. And Vader, what does Vader do to show his fucking force? Now we know he has the highest fucking metachlorian count. As she's using it like a damn saw, a fan, forcing it at Vader, he stops the lightsaber mid-turn with the force where it can't go anywhere. Vader holds it up to Reva, takes her lightsaber, holds it in both hands in front of her. Talk about a testament of power snaps it in half (laughs) with ease and then hands the other half to Reva (laughs) so they can duke it out. How badass is that? Basically to show you are nothing to me. (laughs) Give me everything you got. I want to see that dirty little mouth do it. (laughs) I want to see that dirty little dirty little Jedi of you try. (laughs) We're going to see what you're made of. So, Vader throws the end of the saber at Reva, and she deflects it with her saber and picks it up. She deflects it and then picks up the end of the saber. 
Attempting to deliver a strike to Vader with that end, he stops her with the force, kicks her, knocks her down, and then takes both of the sabers back with the force. Vader against nothing now. <laughs> Fantastic. And Vader says, did you really believe I did not see it? Youngling, <laughs> almost like the Ramsey Bolton bastard quote. You are of no further use. And as he's walking towards Riva, she starts having flashbacks of those youngling moments. And you see it goes from Vader to Anakin, from Vader to Anakin. Anakin stabs the youngling and Vader has stabbed Riva through. And leaves her on the ground. And the original Grand Inquisitor walks in with stormtroopers. Takes her pin off. And says, hello, third sister. Revenge does wonders for the will to live, don't you think? Your rage was useful. Now it is tiresome. We will leave you where we found you. In the gutter where you belong. Goodbye grand inquisitor and then they leave darth vader flawless <laughs> victory <laughs> finish her flawless victory mortal combat style baby so then at this point on the ship roken is telling obi-wan that their hyperdrive is down and they are right behind them reva before the episode is ending, attempts to get up. Because like we always say, it's not over till you see the body. <laughs> gets up, gets her, manages to crawl to grab her lightsaber, but then sees the transmission device that Obi-Wan had that Bail Organa delivered that message to Obi-Wan about Luke Skywalker. And it cuts back to Obi-Wan on the ship, and he just says, something's wrong. It cuts back to Riva. Riva opens the transmitter, sees the message from Bale, and then we have a cut on Tatooine, Luke Skywalker sleeping, and the episode's ends. Episode ends, baby. Fuck yeah. It was fantastic. What are your takeaways from that episode? Before I give any takeaways, there was one more scene that happened before it cut off after Luke was, you know, hidden on Tatooine. And we see the, she the scene shift back to Obi-Wan. And he still seems like he's internally freaking out. And Roken asks him, what is it? Are you okay? To which Obi-Wan replies, I'm sure it's nothing. Thank you. But you can still see he's visibly worried as fuck. And then, then that's where we get the very, very last, uh, like, like, I would say, visual with Luke sleeping in his bed. Like, uh, the little boy Luke sleeping in his bed. But... It was awesome. I mean, Obi-Wan kind of keeps everything close to the vest. And you know, he knows something's wrong, but he doesn't know what's wrong. And what's really funny, too, it's like, Haja is one of the most mercurial people in this series because he's helpful, but he's also, he's also a hindrance. Uh, he gave Haja that transmitter, and Haja dropped it accidentally when he was trying to get onto, like, the ship. And so, you know, he first meets Haja. Haja's pretending to be a Jedi, and he's kind of swindling people for money. He is getting them to safety, though. So it's like he's a weird balance of, of good and, like, careless. I don't know. It's, it's really interesting. But, yeah, I thought that was really interesting there. But my overall takeaways of the episode 
it was cool, man. There was a lot of fun stuff here, especially with Tala sacrificing herself. We got to see a, a lot of fun battle scenes. We we got to see the little bit of the chess mass match play out between Obi-Wan and Darth Vader with them being smart enough. Well, I guess Obi-Wan being smart enough to be like, hey, throw off the first ship first, and he's going to use his power to bring that fucker down. And while he's bringing that fucker down, we're going to take off in the second one. You know, it was, it was sick. And I really loved how they kept pulling back the flashbacks to their training to show us along the way that Anakin has the same fatal flaw. All he wants to do is show power and how he is stronger than everyone, but he doesn't think through his actions. And that, that's exactly what happened in the training session. Obi-Wan was able to get the drop on him, push him, and take his saber from him. And then it was over in, in, in the training session there. And kind of similar to what happened on that end. It was very, very cool. It was a good episode. It was, you know, it was up there with some of my favorite in this series. And, you know, in a couple weeks when we go through our little rankings episode, we're going to see where we put all these episodes, uh, you know, spoiler alert, but like that's going to be part of what we do. And, you know, don't be surprised if this, if this episode ranks a little higher than some of the other ones, man. But overall, I think it did a great job. But, 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 there is two huge plot holes that I have and I'm going to go into them in detail because that really kind of fucks this whole series up and for the future as well, too. And I'm really going to dive into it. But before I do, I want to give Chase the opportunity to give his takeaways on the episode as a whole. And then we'll kind of go through the rest, like I'll talk about the plot holes, do our debates, give like a scale rating of 1 to 10, all that good stuff. So I don't know, man. What do you think about the episode? It was just so hard for me to focus on any plot holes when Vader was kicking ass, baby! <laughs> kicking ass and taking names! He made her look like shit. <laughs> like, sorry. But can you imagine that? The person that just becomes technically the Grand Inquisitor is supposed to be like the next in line to you. There's m that much of a gap. Like, you're talking about, that was college against the NFL, baby. That was no contest. Like, did not give a fuck. Did not even try. Literally to the point of, this is a waste of my fucking time. Like, you're literally wasting my time. Like, just roll over and stab yourself, please. Dude, what was crazy about that, too, to really drive your point home, Darth Vader was so unbothered by Reva. He took her lightsaber, broke it in half, and gave her half of it back to try again. Like, what the fuck, man? That was crazy. And then took it. And then took it. And then took it back. Like, that was, that is the definition of Mortal Kombat. Flawless. Darth Vader. Flawless. Victory. <laughs> it's the word flaw. That was a hundred percent perfection. <laughs> Down to the T. It was excellent. It was it was phenomenal. And that then when he's walking up, all I imagined was finish her. <laughs> it was great, man. It was fantastic. But I agree, it did have some points there. But I can overlook those because that shit was amazing. This whole series, ever since from like episode three, I would say, we've been seeing Vader at his full potential. And it's just insane. <laughs> it's, it's something like we've never seen before. Even in the originals. Like we knew Vader was powerful in the originals. And we knew Anakin was powerful in the prequels. But still he had some sort of resistance in the prequels because of Obi-Wan. Even when it came down to Revenge of the Sith when he was going AWOL. Still, and you saw even Duel of Fates on Mustafar. Even at that point he still wasn't at the potential he was at now. And I feel like even in the originals, you know, they really, the originals are fantastic. I love the originals, but they were more focused on 
Luke's kind of upbringing in a way, and Vader was really kind of older at that point. This is Vader in his fucking prime, man. Like, this is, like, his top... This is his top... Like, this shows... This is why you don't fuck with this man. Like, this is insane. But, uh, overall, I thought the episode was... It was a good, solid episode. Like, the storyline, I'll say it was, like... It wasn't, like, my favorite, like, plot line of the episode. Like, I'll take it. But that fucking battle scene and the fact that Vader could use a uh, damn force on an entire transport ship uh, the right way, not like <laughs> Rise of Skywalker where it blows up mid-fucking-air. Like, <laughs> don't even get me started on that shit. That was the dumbest shit I've ever seen. But the right way, and brought it all the way down, and the lightning didn't come out of his fingertips, even though he's being trained by Palpatine. It was, it was fantastic. I love the ending there. So I got to take it for what it is. Like, if I wasn't dissecting this and being picky, I would give it 100%. <laughs> I will give it, though. I'm going to give it a... Give it an 87. I think that's fair. What would 87.0. What would you... What about you? Yeah, one thing I would just want to correct you. You said the Duel of Fates was actually with Darth Maul and Qui-Gon Jinn over the fate of what was going to happen to Anakin after that. So the actual thing you're talking about in Mustafar between Obi-Wan and Anakin was like the Battle of the Heroes. Battle but, of Heroes. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, like, you knew what the fuck I meant when I said Mustafar. <laughs> yeah, I know. I just I So just many badass to... moments there. So many badass. Every, every little boy and every man that you know where you, you remember where you were. When you were watching these battle scenes in theaters. <laughs> that is exactly true. But yeah, no, back to you. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, the thing is, is this, there's a big, big pile. There's two of them. There's one that is, I wouldn't say like acceptable, but it doesn't draw as big of an issue as this first one that I'm going to bring up. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read through this quote again, and I'm going to ask you, do you see the issue here? So... Let's think about where this series started and where this mission began with, right? Bail Organa came to Obi-Wan on Tatooine and said, Hey, they took Leia. I need your help. Please, like, go rescue Leia. And obviously, they know who Leia is and her importance. But no one else would know at this point. So let me go ahead and this is the part in this specific episode that's the huge issue. This is the transmission message from Bail Organa to Obi-Wan and I'm going to read it again. I know we said no communication, but your silence worries me. If he's found you, if he's learned of the children, if I don't hear from you soon, I'll head to Tatooine. Owen will need help with the boy. I pray you're safe. Obi-Wan, both of you, do you see the problem here? <laughs> I think so. Uh, I'll let you go into the problem, though. No, no, <laughs> I wanna, I wanna I'm, I'm, I'm definitely asking you, like, why, why, why is this the issue? This is, this is right here the big problem at this point where he says, if he's found you, if he's learned of the children, why is that an issue? Okay, repeat that one more time because I feel like this is almost a trick question. It's not really a trick question. It's it's, it's a deeper <laughs> level thought. If you re, if you remember, like Obi Wan, what did Obi Wan find out in Episode Two from Reva? What did she tell him? 
back on uh, Dinjarin. Dayu, back on Dayu. Or <laughs> Dinjarin, sorry, that's the Mandalorian guy. <laughs> back on Dayu, uh, that he's uh, he's looking for you, Obi-Wan, and all that stuff. Right, What is so Obi-Wan found out that Darth Vader, Anakin Skywalker, was still alive, right? Yeah, yeah, right. So, my problem is, Obi-Wan, and, and Bail Organa admitted it here. I, I, like, I have, he said, I know you're, uh, you said no communication, but your silence worries me. My point here, and the big thing we're going to drive into, how the fuck does Bail Organa know that Anakin Skywalker is still alive? He wouldn't. Yeah, he doesn't. He wouldn't. I just assumed that he didn't. I just overlooked it. <laughs> he, he, he would have no idea because if Obi-Wan was on this mission from Leia and he said, hey, Bell, no communication, and Bell Organa has not heard from Obi-Wan this entire time, Obi-Wan just learned himself that Anakin Skywalker yeah. is still alive. So how the fuck would Bell Organa know that Anakin Skywalker is still alive? So when he yeah, says... that's a major fucking Huge plot hole. plot hole. Huge. Yeah, that's bad writing. That's terrible. That's bad writing. That's really that's bad writing. Absolute See, the trash. problem was I was so focused on that fight scene still, I was just like, yeah, whatever. Like, I had just assumed Obi-Wan told him that some point. <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't have. He said your silence. Like worried. I guess he told him, man. He, he says it. They they wrote themselves into a corner. He said it himself in that message. Uh, I know we said no communication, but your silence worries me. So clearly he hasn't spoken to Obi Wan. Then he goes on to say, yeah. if he's found you, if he's learned of the children, not if they, because if they would have just changed that to they, talking about maybe the Inquisitors, you know, any they didn't have to be Anakin. But he says if he's found you, if he's learned of the children. So, if Bail Organa hasn't heard from Obi-Wan since he started the mission of bringing Leia home, Bail Organa would have no idea that Anakin slash Darth Vader is still alive because Obi-Wan didn't find out until Reva told him on Dayu. So if Obi-Wan just found out, how the hell would Bail Organa know that Anakin Skywalker is still alive? Yeah, and, and here's what's even more annoying with that. It's not like they just had to roll with that because they wrote themselves in a corner. All you would have to do to change that is just say if the Empire's found you. Like, that's all you would have to say. Like, the Empire, like, they know the Empire exists because they kidnapped Leia. So that's all you had to say. Like, if the Empire's found you, like, we don't know. Like, I, I you know, we'll go after Luke to make sure they're not going after them. Like, that's all you have to say. Like, that's all you had to say. Like, you could have changed that one word to empire. But, uh, no, yeah, that's bad writing, man. I See, I just, like, was like, whatever. I was like, I guess he told him that at some point. But he hasn't heard from him. <laughs> so, like, yeah, there's no way he can tell him. All, so, all they yeah, had great to do, point. All they had to do at that point was just be like, hey, I haven't heard from you since uh, Dayu when you told me you grabbed her. And you get, and you know what I mean? Like, all they had to do was that. But he said, yeah. he said like, the, your silence worries me. I know you said no communication. The only possible explanation for this is that Bail Organa knew the whole time that Anakin was still alive and didn't tell Obi-Wan. And if that's the case, that's a plot hole and an issue all of its own because, like, how could Obi-Wan ever trust Bail Organa if Bail Organa never told him that Anakin was alive? So, like, like they're fucked either way. Like, which way do you want to be fucked? Like, you know, in the ass or what? I don't know. It doesn't matter because, like, <laughs> like, you're, like, you really screwed yourself. No, I agree. Because that would mean Bail Organa is secretly a double agent. Yeah, it's it's really bad that's why i said like this is the biggest plot hole in this entire series there's no way that that belragana would know darth vader is still alive and then on top of that how would he be able to assume if he didn't know he's alive that he would find out about the children's proper parentage and like who they are to darth vader you know because he doesn't know he's still alive he said if he knows if he's learned of the children 
That that just he they fucked themselves right there with those lines. And by mm-hmm. saying that they have he hasn't heard from him. So, so I know we said no communication, but your silence worries me. If he's like like uh yeah, if he's learned of the children, like that's crazy, man. Like so they just they really really pinned themselves down with that one. That that really screws up the entire plot of the series. That was the biggest plot hole overall. And I, I, I it is very easy to miss, but that was huge. Yeah. So that was my first yeah, plot hole. That was one I didn't like number one. <laughs> Second one, it's not as egregious. It's not as like crazy where I'm like, dude, this is fucking bad. Like it's still not good. And I, you know, maybe it can be explained off if we debate this out, but that is another potential plot hole too. Because remember, then I actually made you say this quote, and I know you had it written down, but I wanted to make sure I pointed it out when you talked about when, when Reva went to attack Vader, and mm-hmm. Vader says, Obi-Wan was wise to use you against me, right? So, if he says that, like, if Vader was, if Obi-Wan was wise to use like, Reva against Vader, but then Vader claims he knew who Reva was all along, remember? He's like, did you really think I did not see it, youngling? So if he assumed, like, if he, if he acted like he knew who Reva was this entire time, shouldn't have Vader known that she was trying to kill him? Like, I, I, and, like, that was going to yeah. be her overall plan. And, and if that's the case, taking Obi-Wan's, uh, getting him into custody being his only thing without her help at all? Like, I think so, you know? So, like, like Obi-Wan should not have been able to use Reva against Vader if Vader knew he never should have trusted Reva to begin with. That's my biggest thing, because like that, yeah. like that, like, that's a whole, that's a whole idea there, right? That it's all summarized into this. There's no way that Obi Wan should have been able to outsmart Vader using Reva if Vader knew who Reva was the whole time. That's that's my other plot hole there. Yeah, man, the writing's writing's got some problems, <laughs> but uh, no, that's a that's a really good point. Um, man, I still can't get over that whole like. Uh, sentence from Bail Organa. That's really bad. Yeah, because yeah, I started brushing it off and I was thinking like, oh, well, maybe you told him. But then I had to start rethinking when you said that. Like, wait, he's talking about not hearing from him. So that wouldn't make any sense. So yeah, that was a very good point you pointed out. Uh, another question here. Do you think haja left the transmitter or do you think because obi-wan was on the transport ship he ever like tried to take it back from haja and they just decided not to put that in there that's a good point too i mean we'd have to talk about what happens next episode to see if that ever came into play which obviously you and i have watched this so we know the answer to that but just where we are standing here today going through this specific episode yeah like uh it's not it's not something i can really answer but you know it's just he's just that was just a careless move and Mm -hmm. that the tran- like the, it causes a huge problem you know, for the good guys in the path and Obi-Wan and all that. But it shouldn't have caused a huge problem because it should, that transmission should never have been sent the way it was sent. So, like, yeah. Yeah, like that's the whole deal. But, yeah, him leaving it there on the, on the ground, like Obi-Wan never asking for it back if he doesn't ask for it back or if he asks for it back and, and Hodge is like, oh, shit, man, I don't know where it went. Like, you would think that they, that would have made a bigger deal, right? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah that, that's a good observation as well. It's just something that, like, because we're talking about this episode here today and we haven't finished the series, like, we, will, we can probably talk more about that next week if you remind me. But, uh, yeah, no, definitely, yeah. A good, definitely a good thing to keep an eye on um, going to the, into the last episode next week. How would you rank this episode overall? If I wasn't paying attention to really see if I could poke holes in this thing, 
I would have rated it one of the highest rated episodes just because I enjoyed what I saw, like the whole siege on there, like the battle. We got to see Vader at his highest powers, and you know, Reva being somewhat in uh, of like warrior capability. She's a Jedi herself, you know. And he acted like she was a fly on the wall. <laughs> Didn't even wasn't even <laughs> bothered by her. So if I if it was that, it'd be a really really high rated episode. But what you add in to how bad they they hurt themselves with these potential plot well not even potential like the one with Bell Organa is bad bad but the other one too with like how the hell Obi-Wan was able to outsmart Vader using Reva if Vader supposedly knew who Reva was the entire time it's just I can't really give it higher than an 8.5 like I like you know what I mean yeah. I, if without without those two if the writing was great and like you know there was nothing I could have poked holes in I probably gave this thing a 9.2 but man yeah. that that was bad bad especially the big one with the transmission. But, yeah, so I'll give this episode an 8.5 out of 10. Cool. Yeah, what debates did you have for today? Just have one debate, and my debate is uh, the, grand, the, the original Grand Inquisitor, right? He makes his reappearance. We all thought he was dead. Reva stabbed him through the stomach with her saber back on Dayu, where, ironically, we learned that Anakin Skywalker is still alive. Obi-Wan learned that Anakin Skywalker is still alive there. You know, just to really twist the knife into these fuckers who wrote that dumbass thing. And <laughs> but, anyways, <laughs> um, yeah. So my my debate is to, like the, the Grand Inquisitor here. Do you think that he allowed Riva to? Do, uh, I don't want to say allowed allowed her to stab him, but do you think he was shocked that she turned on him and? Do you think there is any part where this was almost intentional on the Grand Inquisitor's part, you know, in, in a way? And, I, and I, I, I'll get into why, what I mean by that when I go through my way of answering it. But do you think, I think a Grand Inquisitor in a way let Riva attack him, try to kill him? And, you know, if so, why do you think he did that? Uh, I don't know if it was intentional in that way. I think it was more to, like, kind of catch her in the act. I don't think he intended to like stab with a lightsaber because who knows? Considering it cauterizes the wound, <laughs> I mean, you might not be coming back. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I think it was kind of me personally. I've taken on the side of maybe it was kind of like one of the Departed things. Like you've seen the movie Departed, <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio. He was kind of undercover in that sense. Um, because remember going back to the beginning of these episodes. Remember where he already had a problem with Reba like trying to gain power the whole time and she was like calling her own shots kind of going rogue I think he kind of saw through that and realized you know hey the fourth brother that was there fifth wasn't brother the, the fifth brother fifth brother fourth five six how many damn brothers there are I don't know <laughs> anyways uh, yeah like he wasn't doing that and no one in that entire like inquisitor organization has been doing something like that so just my assumption here is he was probably in on it the whole time with Vader. Like he pro like honestly, I think Vader's smart enough to know like this is out of the ordinary and that's why he did that. Like m you know, uh, the same reason, you know, going into Jim Bean when he, I almost want to say Jim Bean. <laughs> Let's go have a drink, man. Anyways, uh, it almost made me, like, you know, when he was saying, like, I'll handle it myself. I think it was more of because even in a way, Vader might not have trusted what she set up there for, like, his 
men in his army. So he's like, I'll take care of this because whatever you set up, I can handle. I'm not worried about that. But um, I think so. I think the Grand Inquisitor was kind of in on it the whole time, is my personal opinion. What about you? So I think this was the classic uh, I told you so moment for the Grand Inquisitor. I think potentially the Grand Inquisitor has been trying to get Vader to realize that Reva isn't as with them as she's pretending to be. And, you know, he he could have been reporting back to Vader saying, hey, you know, she's been taking things in her own hands, really trying to undermine my authority, doing all these things solo. And then what I, I really think is when Reva ended up stabbing him and trying to kill him, that was the final, like, like flip of the switch to where Vader's like, oh, shit, well, I guess... You know, you were right the whole time, Mr. Grand Inquisitor. Like, I guess she is. Yeah, yeah. Because he, like, the Grand Inquisitor does give Vader some decent advice going into next episode, and we'll talk about that next week. But um, yeah, I think I think he let. I think not so much he maybe let it happen, but he wasn't like he he hid in the shadows for all those episodes. Like, like we assumed him dead in episode two. Now we're in episode five, so we got three episodes. I think he hid in the shadows for those three episodes because he wanted to prove to Vader, like, hey. Like she just tried to kill me. Like she's not, she's not with us the way you think she is. And so, like keep, like because if he just reappeared, that would have been a huge thing, and Reva's cover would have been blown then. I think this was the perfect way for the cover to be blown. Is he came back, for, you know, out of nowhere? And he's like, ah, revenge does wonders for the will to live, doesn't it? And so <laughs> it was like, and that's when Vader says, "You really think I did not see it, youngling?" So I think I was basically the Grand Inquisitor when Reva stabbed him. Grand Chris was like, I told you, Darth Vader, this is the this motherfucker, <laughs> like she tried to kill me, man. Like, and then Vader's, <laughs> and then maybe he even came up with a plan himself. It was like, all right, Vader, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna pretend to give her the position of Grand Inquisitor, and you know, Chili just writes to Kenobi because she's already hot on the trail and she won't stop. As you see, like she was willing to kill me to get to this guy. So, uh, I think they they kind of played her in a way. I think they played her. So that's what that's what I I think overall. That still doesn't kind of take away from the whole part of like how Obi-Wan was able to outsmart Darth Vader because like I said when he says uh, Obi-Wan was smart to use you against me well motherfucker if you already knew that she wasn't to be trusted how the hell did you let Obi-Wan get away with it by like letting him use her against you I don't know but uh yeah so that those are just my thoughts on on that debate there so yeah I think I think that's you know did you have any like like, thoughts on what I said there do you want to jump into your debate yeah no no I agree with you 100 percent I think I mean, I agree something was going on. Like, I think the Grand Inquisitor was definitely working in the back scenes there. Thought on that, how the fuck are these people just healing their lightsaber wounds? <laughs> like, that's what I want to know. Like, are we pulling a Rise of Skywalker again where, you know, the other Ben <laughs> is, like, using the Force to, like... Or I guess Ray used the Force to, like, heal him. Like, what's the deal? Like, last time I checked, if this was, like, a thing... Why the fuck is Qui-Gon Jinn not alive right now? Like, this is fucking annoying. <laughs> the only thing I could potentially say to, I don't know, give some level of credence to to this is that maybe the armor that the Inquisitors use are stronger than just the Jedi robes that Qui-Gon had back in Phantom Menace, but... I mean, you drop a really good point. He's like Darth Maul stabbed Qui-Gon through the stomach with the backside of his double saber and that was all she wrote for Qui-Gon, but, <laughs> like, you know, but apparently Reva can stab the Grand Inquisitor through the stomach and he survives. And then 
Vader can stab Reva through the stomach, and we'll see what happens if she makes it or not. Like, I, yeah, dude, it's it's uh, the only thing I can think of is maybe the armor of the Inquisitor is made of something, but still, you can't really convince me that's the case. Like, uh, you know, that's the only cop out answer I could really come up with. Like, this is just my problem with how you know things have kind of developed. Like, I I love how the Star Wars universe has expanded. Don't get me wrong, and I love how we're progressing and get to definitely live in this universe still. But my problem with some of the liberties they've taken is you go back to episode one with Qui-Gon Jinn. Qui-Gon Jinn, I'm sorry, but he trained Obi-Wan. He is a lot more powerful, in my opinion, than some damn Inquisitor that just got their ass handed to them by Vader. Either one of those Inquisitors. <laughs> Either I would take Qui-Gon Jinn any day over those two, and you're saying Qui-Gon Jinn... Is just like fucked, but these dudes just like waltzing around, having a good time, not giving anything away for next episode. But like everything's all hunky dory now. Like, well, that's my problem. Like a lightsaber, you know, that was like the thing. Like you got stabbed with lightsaber, you're supposed to be basically fucked. <laughs> like I'm sorry, but that's just the way it is. Cauterizes their wound. You know, the thing goes through fucking doors, as we've seen in this episode. You think you're coming back from that shit? And then all of a sudden, we have this Rise of Skywalker thing, which we've covered on this show. And all of a sudden, we're just healing wounds with the Force now. I don't know where the fuck that came from. The Force, you can use the Force because your surroundings around you. I don't recall anything about the Force until recently where we just pulled, started pulling stuff out of our ass like lightsabers out of the sand. <laughs> where where it, it heals skin and muscle and <laughs> all kinds of this thing. I'm talking about medical orient count. We're looking at medical count now. This is fucked up. <laughs> it doesn't make any fucking sense. I want your answer on that because I think it's a liberty that should have never been taken. My answer on that is you convinced me in a way that the armor the Inquisitors have really shouldn't have been uh, a difference maker in whether they survived the lightsaber attack or not because, like you just mentioned, there was a steel fucking door and she pushed that lightsaber through the door, cut that fucker open, and blasted that shit through. So you're going to tell me that your armor is thicker and you know stronger than steel rotted you know iron casted doors no probably not so yeah dude <laughs> I, yeah i just i think um yeah i think they took some liberties on the survival rate of lightsaber attacks in uh in these newer <laughs> productions I, I guess i can say so that that's just my thought on it but uh, what, what debate do you have for the day or debates so, so my debate for today it's kind of uh outlandish i guess in a way but it's why don't you think Obi-Wan never chose to check in with Bail Organa? Do you think he would have not trusted him enough to think he would have given something away or something would have gotten leaked? Why don't you think he checked in with him so that you didn't ever have a risk of something like that happen where he would go to Tatooine? I don't think he had the opportunity. Uh, you think about it, it's pretty much when bang, 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 stuff that happens. So Leia gets kidnapped, episode one. Episode two, he rescues her from Dayu. Episode three, he gets his ass whipped by Vader and Reva steals Leia again. So now Leia in episode four is captive at the 
Inquisitor's base, and he's got to go save her again. Like, what are you gonna, what are you gonna tell him? Like, hey, I saved her, but then they got her again. So I'm trying to yeah. go, like, you know what I mean? Then after they grabbed her again from the Inquisitor base, they're right here in Episode Five, where they're at this last siege on Jabim. So like, where is he supposed to get the time, and what information can he give Bell Organa to, like, you know, I don't, I just don't think it would make sense for him to be able to communicate with him, even if he could. I, 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 number one, I don't see where the time is. Number two, like, what is he going to tell him? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, there's just been too many things happening, like, sequence, right in a row, right in a row, right in a row. Like, it just, it doesn't seem like there was anything to report that was positive, and then it doesn't seem like there was enough time uh, before all these attacks and all these sequence of events where he could have. That That's my thought on it. Yeah, I think the only opportunity where you even had the time was after the whole incident with Freck or whatever his name was. And then uh, Tala kind of took over there. But still, that wouldn't. It's not exactly like the best moment to check in because then, of course, you know, right when you had some downtime, of course, you know, the big bad himself starts pulling people out of shutters and walls <laughs> and choking them to death. So, yeah, I agree with you there. But. Yeah, that was just only my only debate for today. But yeah, man, you uh, had any closing thoughts? No, no closing thoughts really. Uh, just it, it's it's interesting how you know, especially for people who look into and overly analyze series, how how something so small could affect so much plot wise. When we're talking about this transition message and how Bail Organa really should not have known that Vader was alive the entire time, and that. That kind of you know, very very much overlooked when it comes to plot holes and because I, I haven't really heard anything about that. Like I haven't gone. I, I didn't. Don't get me wrong. I didn't scour the internet for articles to see if anyone else um, picked up on the same thing. But just my own stuff. Like I'm like wow that you guys had such a great thing and you could you could have easily fixed it by just not saying certain things in that transmission. Like a couple word tweaks here or there could have been completely fine. But you had to make it seem like you never had any communication with Obi Wan, and that you knew like, he was coming, and if he's learned of the children, like who? What do you mean he? You shouldn't know about a he. <laughs> like in your mind, Anakin's supposed to be dead. Bail Organa. So, yeah, dude, uh, that's that's my only thing. You know, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but that really did bother me on an otherwise really great series so far for the most part when it comes to like plots. I've, I've had issues with certain things. Don't get me wrong, and things that don't seem overly believable in terms of the context, because obviously this is a fantasy or a sci-fi show and, and franchise, so there's going to be stuff that aren't quote-unquote believable, but there, when, I say, when, when I say things that aren't really believable, I'm talking about in the context of the universe itself. If I'm trying to compare apples and apples, and I'm understanding that things aren't going to make sense as it pertains to real life, because obviously it's a sci-fi show. Duh, no kidding, but there's some things that in that context that still aren't going to make sense to line up with certain things, so uh, that, those, that's just like my closing thought on, on this episode specifically, but you know, guys, and this is your first time joining us. I really hope that you enjoyed what you heard here today. Hopefully you did learn something. And if you have been joining us from the very beginning, thank you for sticking around. You guys are the shields that guard the realms of fantasy. If you're looking to figure out where you can follow us, we are on all forms of social media. We're on Instagram at official ridiculous Patronus. We're on TikTok at ridiculous Patronus. We have a backup Instagram at fact underscore or underscore fantasy. We have a backup TikTok at fact underscore or underscore fantasy. We have a Facebook fan page, Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy. We have a YouTube page, Ridiculous Patronus. We have our own website as well, ridiculouspatronus.blogspot.com. 
rpfactorfantasy.com. We're on Twitter, rpfactorfantasy, Snapchat, rpfactorfantasy. So please follow us along, click like, subscribe, leave any sort of reviews on Apple Podcasts. You can also leave star rating reviews on Spotify as well. Audience engagement, we love it. Keep it up. And talking about those areas where you can find the podcast specifically, you guys can find us, as we just mentioned, uh, if you're an Apple user, you can find us on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on iTunes. If you're an Android user, you can find us on Google Play, on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Podbean, Amazon Music, Audible, Stitcher, Acast, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy are there. But we are out for the day because you know this has been another ridiculous production. Chase and Josh. Factor Fantasy. Signing, signing off. off.